Well, good morning. I think we laugh because we all see some of ourselves in uh, that that skit there. So we're in the uh, third week of our series. Kind words are cool, and we've just been looking and learning different things. Of course, that's part of this series is why I'm wearing this t-shirt today. And we've kind of talked about in the beginning in week one that our words carry weight, our words are powerful, words that are spoken about us, to us, and over us have shaped us and made us who we are today. And then week one, we also talked about what James had to say about guarding your mouth. That it's like a lifelong challenge to guard your mouth. It's like you never graduate from having to watch what you say. This week, I guess it was probably Tuesday or Wednesday, I was doing this little rant about something I was upset about. And uh, then all at once, it was like God just like knocked me upside the head. Like, Dennis, guard your mouth. And wouldn't you think, you know, since I'm going to be preaching on this for four weeks, that I would master this maybe just a little bit, right? You would think that, but it's just such a challenge for all of us. So, James, that you have to worry about that your entire life. And then last week, we went over to Ephesians chapter 4, and we talked about the verse, let no unwholesome talk or no unwholesome words come out of your mouth. And that word unwholesome refers to like dead or rotting fish. So we're not supposed to let anything rot and come out of our mouth. And somebody actually sent me this picture this week. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> Did anybody say to anybody this week, you have fish mouth? Because I heard on Wednesday, I know our youth were kind of popping that off to each other. You know, you fish mouth, you've got fish mouth, that kind of deal. I've heard some parents kind of mention that they've had a few discussions around their house, too, about fish mouth. So we kind of talked about that last week. And we also talked about the fact that Paul said... You need to get rid of the bad words, the sarcasm, the criticism, the passive-aggressive comments. And when he says get rid of, he's talking about like the way you would take trash to a curb and you just get rid of it forever. He's not saying you need to stop those words. It's more than that. He said you need to totally get rid of, of those things, all those bad things that we tend to say. And then this week... We're going to kind of go back to the book of James, and we're going to go to James chapter 1. And the words that he's going to tell us today, if we took the things that he's going to talk to us about today, the things that we talked about out of Ephesians chapter 4, the unwholesomeness and getting rid of the bad things, and then went to James chapter 1 and guarded our mouth, if we did all of those things, it would totally change you. It would change your family. It would change your workplace. If we did these things, it would change our church. And it's not exaggerated to say it could totally change our world. So what might his words be? We're going to go to James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 19 today. Listen to what he says. He starts off by saying, my dear brothers and sisters. So here's what he said. Here's his opening line. And if you're a woman, this, this doesn't really have to do with what we're talking about this morning, but I think it's worth mentioning. I was actually having a conversation with a millennial this week, which kind of made me think even more about this. 
uh, he was just kind of telling me, why didn't Jesus just put women on par with men instead of just kind of messing around with it a little bit? I said, Jesus did do that. He absolutely made men and women equal. And he was the first kind of person to do that, so to speak. And then you pick up the Pauline epistles and other writers like James. They put men and women on equal footing. And Jesus was the one who did that. I cannot exaggerate how, what, what it was like for a woman. And it didn't really matter about the culture or the environment back then. You were just a piece of property. You couldn't even testify in court because you just weren't believable. I mean, you, you were just like a little bit better than an animal. But Jesus came along and he says men and women are equal. And then James kind of emphasizes that, that here and puts them on equal footing too when he says brothers and sisters. Let's say just he's not talking to the men. He's talking to brothers and sisters. So he, they're elevated to equals. And then the next thing he says, take note of this. Sit up. Pay attention. If you're taking notes, write this down, he says. And then he says, everyone. So he's talking to all of us. Everyone. And then here's what he says. We're listening. We're paying attention. He says, everyone should be quick to listen. That kind of really doesn't make sense, does it? How can you listen faster? And we can all talk faster, right? But how do you listen faster? I was in a men's group one time, and we were talking about this passage, and somebody said in jest that he has blisters on his ears because his wife talks so fast. But how do you listen faster? How, how do you do that? I mean, how do you speed up your hearing? Well, the reason he uses these two words here together that really don't really fit together, he's kind of using a communication uh, technique here to kind of get your attention and make a point about something and this is his point your first priority the number one thing in this sequence the most important thing you can do relationally is listen be quick to listen that's the first point he's making this morning be quick to listen now that kind of goes against the grain doesn't it because most of us, if we're listening at all, it's just because we're, we're trying to figure out what we're going to say next. And we want to be heard more than we want to listen to somebody else, right? I mean, we want people to listen to us, but we don't so much want to listen to other people. And so James's very first point here is, if you want people to listen to you, then you need to listen to them. So be quick to listen. And here's his second statement. These kind of fit together. He says, slow to speak. Literally, the word means like be late. So he's saying, be slow to speak. Wait. Wait before you talk. You probably heard, we all heard it growing up. Think before you speak. So that word there, slow, means like literally means to wait. <laughs> so how do you do that? How do you be slow? To speak. I think one of the things that we can do is learn to ask questions. Be curious. When somebody's talking to you, ask questions. Be curious about what they're talking about because that'll slow you down. That'll make you listen more. It'll make you pay attention more. 
Be curious. Ask questions. And I know some of you think, well, if I do that, they're just going to keep on talking. And they're just going to keep chasing those rabbit trails, and I'll just have, have to keep listening. Well, you know what I'd say to you? That's okay. Because the more questions you ask, the more you give them opportunities to trace the, chase those rabbit trails and, and get on those on-ramps, so to speak, the more you're going to learn. Just keep asking the questions because James is saying that's your responsibility. Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. And the more you listen, the more you learn. That's, that's what he's saying here. Now, if you're a parent, or maybe you want to be a parent, and some of you are like me, your kids are in their, their 20s and 30s, you know, there's, there's, there's just some advice that I would give parents and students, just because, like some of you, my, my oldest now is 33, I've been through all the different seasons, so to speak, with, with kids, and if I could have convinced my kids to ask questions and be curious when they were younger, especially when they were talking to mom and dad, it would have just made a huge difference. And I don't know that we have a whole lot of students in here and a whole lot of children in here this morning, but here's some advice, some really good advice, and maybe you can pass this on to your grandkids if, if nobody's in here that, that's younger, so to speak, in your family. If you, th th this would freak your parents out. If you learned when dad was giving the dad talk and mom was giving the mom talk and they're, they're just in the middle of that talk, students, if you would do this, it would just freak your parents out. If you would say, dad, dad, I just don't quite understand what you're trying to tell me, but I really want to. So could you say it in a different way? You know what happened? Boom! Your parents gonna pass out, right? Am I right? You would have passed out if your kids would have done that, right? I mean, it would just make all the difference in the world. You know why? Because nobody does that. We do the other part of that. We argue, and we argue, and we argue. But if you can learn to listen, if you can hit the pause button, if you can be curious, if you can ask questions, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Everything changes. And then I'll flip this around. I think my wife is coming to the second service this morning. But she would tell you, and I will tell you, that some of my worst parenting moments are when I'm slow to listen and quick to speak. Those are some of the, the, the lousiest ones I have or had. I did the whole dad thing. You know, you know what the dad thing is? You know, anybody that's kind of had some authority, you're, you're kind of tempted to do this. You know, okay, I've got the wisdom bucket, and I've got the age bucket, and I've got the experience bucket, and I've got the insight bucket. And so here you're going to get it, and you just dump that whole thing on them, you know, you just pour it all over them. Because, you know, they don't even have frontal lobe experience yet, and I know everything. And then we go, hey, where are you going? Hey, why don't my kids talk to me anymore? Why don't my kids want to hang out with me? It's because we're driving them away. Parents, we need to know this. Husbands, we need to know this. Wives, we need to know this. This is important. 
you can, listen to this, because you're going to have to process this when I say it, because at first it's not going to make sense. You can write the person you love right out of the relationship. You know what I'm saying? You can write the person you love right out of the relationship. You could write your husband or wife right out of the relationship, the person that you love right out of the relationship. You could write that, that all-star employee at your workplace right out of the relationship. You understand what I'm, what I'm saying here? You can win the arguments and you can be right and totally lose the relationship. Does that make sense? Well, I want to be understood. I want them to know I'm in charge. I want them to know that I'm right and what I said matters. And we've both been on both sides of this. Remember when your dad was fussing at you or your mom was fussing at you and your eyes just kind of glazed over because you heard all the lectures that you wanted to hear? That kind of thing. And we get frustrated with our kids. I know I'm giving them good advice. I'm giving them good counsel. Well, why is it we just can't communicate? You know what James is saying? It's because you're quick to speak and slow to listen. That's why. It's like if he was talking to Dennis, he'd be like, Dennis, you just need to put a big B on your forehead for big W. Because you don't get what I'm talking about here. And you walk away. I don't, I don't get it. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. You want to enhance a relationship? Be slow. Quick to listen. Not quick to speak. Quick to listen. And then he goes on a little bit further. And he tells us, quick to listen, slow to speak. And then he adds something else. Slow to become angry. Now, slow to become angry is both a result and a decision. If you are quick to listen and you are slow to speak, you are less likely to be angry. But part of this, the decision part of that is also in advance, you kind of tell yourself, I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to be quick to speak. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to slow down and listen. And now anger in this context that we're talking about kind of in a relational context, you know, it's kind of two, two ways that people deal with anger. There's those of us in this room, you just explode. I mean, you're a volcano. You just erupt. And that, that's how anger is expressed in you. And then there are other people, you're, you're, you just kind of internalize it and you kind of put it inside. That, that's kind of the way I am. And, you know, I just get in a bad mood and I go inward and I just sulk around. And Renee's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then I get to say, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Oh, I know something's wrong. Nope, nothing's wrong. That's how you kind of get control, isn't it? I mean, let's just be honest. That's how you get control. And I know some of you think, well, Dennis, isn't that kind of a girl thing? It's not a girl thing, though. It's just a people thing. It's just what people think do. And we're all one way or the other. We either explode or we kind of internalize it. There's not a whole lot of ground in between. And James is like, that is bad for your relationships. And one of the ways of bypassing that blow up or being sulky or moody or making passive aggressive comments is being quick to listen and slow to speak. You see the anger that he's talking about here in relationships is that, that what we do where we're 
you know, we just jump to hasty conclusions. We don't have all the information. Ever done that, especially with your kids or your spouse? I mean, they don't get two words out of their mouth when you ask them a question, and then you just let them have it, and you, you jump to all these conclusions, and, and you just make these hasty judgments and those kinds of things. That kind of angers what he's, he's talking about here. And he says the formula for avoiding that, the longer you listen, the more you learn, the less angry you'll be. And here's why this works. And this is so obvious what I'm fixing to say. And you're, you're going to be like, Dennis, why are you even bringing this up? We all know this. But sometimes the obvious, we need to hear it. I mean, this is deep stuff. Everything that everyone does makes sense to them. Everything that everyone does makes sense to them. They're like, wow, Dennis, you should write a book or something. That's just deep. Right? And then there's a second part of that. Everything that everybody says makes sense to them. Right? Everything you do makes sense to you. Everything you say makes sense to you. Right? And here's what we do, though. We don't seem to realize that a lot of times. There's some subjects that I can just kind of give you the examples of that I think you'll really see where we don't do that. Politics. Religion. Money, those types of things. Because what do we do? We don't grasp that thing there that's on the screen behind me. Everything that everybody does makes sense to them. Everything everybody says makes sense to them. We don't do that. We make comments like, why would they say that? They are so dumb. Why would they believe that? That's just ridiculous. Do they not have any education at all? But yet to the person that said that, it makes perfect sense to them. And rather than asking questions, we just kind of rather be critical, wouldn't we? And just hang out with people that think like we do, and then we can all get together and say, well, that's so dumb, and why would they do that? And, and I just don't get it. They, just, they must just be so ignorant. Everything everybody says makes sense to them. And everything everybody does makes sense to them. So if I'm sitting there going, I don't understand why my son would do that. Why don't I ask him and listen? Why did my daughter do that? Why don't I ask and listen? I don't understand my wife, wife didn't pay the cable bill today. She should have. She was running errands anyway, right? Like the skit says. Why not? Why don't I ask the questions instead of lecturing? Making proclamations, putting people down, giving little mini sermons, taking my bucket and dumping it on top of them. Here, honey, I've got a bucket of wisdom for you. Ask questions. That's what James says. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Prioritize listening and learning. Be slow. Slow to anger. How many of you have ever read Stephen Covey's uh, book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Anybody read that? Yeah, I thought there'd be a lot of people in this, this audience here this morning that read that. You know, it's interesting that he's got seven principles of highly effective leadership, that the fifth principle in it is basically the same thing that John uh, James says. He says, seek to understand first, then to be understood. The exact same thing that James is saying. 
First of all, I mean, he's a secular, he's a Mormon, and, and, and he totally gets this in the area of leadership. Seek to understand first, then to be understood. And when I do that, then I get to be a better understander of people. I get to be a better understander, understander of ideas and opinions and that kind of thing. But when I'm criticizing, I'm not learning anything, am I? Nothing at all. And you know what also plays into all this? We all have a filter, don't we? And our filter's made up of a lot of different things. Everything that you say to me and I say to you goes through a filter. I get tickled sometimes because people will come up to me after a service and they'll talk about something that God used it in a way that I never intended for it to be used. Because I'm like, I never said that. Didn't even apply that. But God used that in that way. But part of that is because of their filter. They heard it a certain way because of their life experiences and those types of things. So what, what, what plays into our filter? Our life experiences? Our age has a lot to do with it. I mean, we all heard about the generation gaps and those types of things. I mean, now that the kind of running thing is, you know, the millennials, who can understand the millennials? That's what a lot of people in this room will say. And there's this, this, this age gap, and it has to do with being raised differently, and the times were different, and, and things are different. Just to, to go back further so we don't hurt anybody's feelings here, like if you were raised in the Great Depression, man, you pinched pennies. I mean, money was, you know, you, just, you were just so careful. If you were raised, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later, you're not like that. But it had to do with the age and the environment in which you were raised. And so you view things different. Your education or where you went to school at or your economic status. All those things are our filters. And everything we hear comes through those filters. So basically, I'm, I'm a fool if I just sit back and criticize you without asking any questions. If I'm not quick to listen and slow to speak. So we can just kind of stop right there, right? And it would be a pretty good morning for us to go away and chew on that for a while. But James isn't done yet. He's not finished. He continues this. Continues on. And, you know, we might think, well, you know, he's just given us some practical stuff this morning. This whole be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. You know, he's telling me that because it's kind of like some self-help advice. And, and now I know how to win arguments and I can leverage to get my way and those kind of things. But that's not why he's telling us this. This is not just about self-help. In fact, it really has nothing to do with that. It doesn't have anything to do with being calmer and convincing and winning your arguments and those kind of things. He goes on and he says, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. He said human anger that comes from not listening and speaking too quickly does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When you hear the term righteousness, that basically means rightness. And to kind of see if I can kind of paint this for you, in any argument, there's really three agendas. There's, in my case, Dennis's agenda, the person I'm talking to agendas, and then there's God's agenda. And what he's saying is, so many times, instead of doing what God wants us to do, God's righteousness or God's rightness, we're all about our rightness. And we want to be right in the arguments. And we want to be right in the relationships. 
And we don't really care about what God thinks about it. It becomes all about us and words escalate and those kind of things because we want to win the argument. He said, it's not about your rightness. It's about God's righteousness. You are to be disciples of Jesus Christ. You are to look like Christ. And so he says, you're, you need to look like that in your arguments, in your speech, in your listening, your rightness, so to speak. It's not about you getting control. It's not about you convincing somebody. It's not about you persuading somebody, which is what happens a lot of times when we're quick to speak and, and, and we get angry. So that's not the rightness that God wants. God wants a different kind of rightness. And again, you can win the argument and lose the relationship. And James is like, come on, Christians. That's not what it's about. That's not what God wants. And then he goes on a little bit further and he elaborates kind of on this thought. He said, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. This particular get rid of term, he's talking here about getting rid of something. It's like putting a coat on. And that coat, he's saying, is your rightness. Your rightness, not God's righteousness, but your rightness. And you're wearing that coat around and you want everybody to know how right you are and how cool you are and, you know, that kind of thing. He said, you need to take that coat off. He said, you need to get rid of your rightness. He uses the term moral filth there. That word could also be translated self-righteous. And that kind of makes a little more sense in our, in, in our society, doesn't it? You need to take off that coat of self-rightness, self-righteousness, where you're just, you're just right about everything. He said, you need to take that off. Get rid of that. And then he puts, says one other thing. And humbly accept the word implanted in you. He said, you need to take God's word. It needs to be planted in you. There needs to be humility about that. And you know, if you're quick to listen, there's a lot more humility that goes with that than quick to speak in there. He says, let God's word be in you. Let it humble you. Let that be what guides you, not your rightness, God's righteousness that's there because God's word is planted in you. So week one, guard your mouth. It's something you just have to be conscious of all the time. Week two, watch the fish mouth. Watch those unwholesome things. Get rid of all that sarcasm and passive aggressive comments and mean words and put downs. Get rid of all that. And then today he says, Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. So here's kind of your homework this week. Practice asking questions. This week when you want to interrupt a conversation, when you just want to get mad at somebody, when you, when you just want to jump in and make a hasty conclusion, stop yourself and ask some questions. Just ask some questions because that will help you to be Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Would you pray with me, please?